Well, I, I just want to say, just on the back end of Thule and Brandon sharing, um, it's a great joy. I think Thule already headed downstairs. Uh, it is a great joy uh, to have our kids discipled, not just by you guys uh, and all the folks serving down there, but really the whole church. I mean, I, I think there's something sweet that's happening in terms of the family of the church just discipling our, our kids all together. And so... I'm just psyched for that, and, and Brandon, we're going to clap for you and Thule, real loud for Thule, because she's downstairs doing this, um, and just say, uh, if you're not signed up uh, to pour your life into one of these kiddos, please do so. Uh, it'd be a huge help uh, for uh, their faith in the gospel, and also just for uh, parents being able to come up here and worship as well, so please sign up uh, to do so. A couple other things for the fall before we get into our text uh, this morning. Uh, we have a member meeting this Wednesday, 7 p.m., right here. Uh, so if, if the well is your church family, if you are a member here, please come. Uh, carve that time aside, just set it aside. Uh, we're going to have some family discussion. We're going to do budget stuff. We're going to uh, kind of say where we've been, where we headed this fall, that kind of stuff. So please, uh, please set that time aside and come this Wednesday, 7 o'clock. A second is on Saturday coming up at 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We have a seminar on gender, sexuality, and the scriptures and how do we uh, love, disciple our kids and, and share truth and, and be loving people within this world. So uh, we, don't, we can't use this space on Saturday, so we're going to be at 4C Church uh, from uh, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So please uh, come if you can make that. It's going to be a great time of learning and sharing together. Uh, then on the 23rd of September, that's a, a couple weeks from now, uh, Friday to Sunday, if you like bugs and camping, we got, we got the spot for you. Yeah, Kasaka will have us go. Maybe not. <laughs> it is going to be a blast. We've got cabins, um, and so you'll have a cabin, a family, uh, and then we'll have, um, this is whole church, right? So uh, singles, young couples, families, everybody, uh, please come out and just have a blast. Uh, that is the 23rd to the 25th, uh, there will be times around scriptures and singing and just uh, campfires and hikes and, and a blast. So uh, if you uh, want any information on any of this, it's on the What's Happening page and then some printouts in the back of the welcome table too. Let me pray for us. These are uh, three of my favorite uh, scriptures because uh, they get to the core of what being a Jesus follower is all about. And, and they also kind of hit the core of who we are as people, what we're made for uh, and how... Uh, the elemental things of following Jesus hit the foundational and elemental things of our own desires and life itself. So um, let me pray for us and we'll get in these texts together. Father, thank you so much that uh, your son ran towards us, that he came towards us. Yeah, we know this room is full of uh, folks all over the spectrum in their faith journeys right now trying to figure things out, or, or maybe some of us just been following you and things are getting stale. And God, would you remind us just of the, the core elements this morning of following your son, the life he's given us, the, the eternal purpose uh, he's given us. God, that, that right at the center of who we are, he's met us there. Might we be a people who are compelled to follow him and give our whole lives to him this morning. That's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
All right, so we're going to back up, kind of going from where uh, you started a series in the book of Mark, and we're going to kind of go backwards in the readings that we did this morning. Chapter 3 is this uh, kind of general call of the disciples. All 12 are called right here. So uh, in, in this calling where Jesus kind of brings these 12 to himself, he, he's setting out a pattern for following him and the core elements of following him. And then we're going to back up and see each one of those two main aspects of following him highlighted in these individual calls of Matthew or Levi, the tax collector, and then of James and John and Simon and Andrew in this kind of original call in chapter one. So in each of these, I think we're going to see a bit of ourselves and how the core elements of what we're made for, man, what we long for, what we desire, it's met in Christ. And he's got eternal grand plans for us, for his glory, and a ton of joy in our lives, too. Uh, so uh, let's get into it. Uh, this is the general call of Jesus of his uh, disciples. And you can uh, kind of set yourself in here a little bit, too, into the moment of uh, he's calling us to follow him uh, in the beginning of his ministry. All right, so uh, we're in chapter 3, uh, verse 13. Chapter 3, verse 13. Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. I love this moment. He, he does what uh, we, do. we don't expect him to do, and we rarely do in our own lives, the counterintuitive. Well, in really critical moments or kind of when in the fray, when things are really firing, he steps back. Uh, all through the book of Mark, we see this little phrase, he goes to a desolate place. Uh, in, in this case, he goes up to the top of a mountain where these amazing things often, often happen in the book of Mark, the transfiguration, and, and here the calling of the twelve. And, and he goes really to this desolate place to, to sit at the feet of his father, what he does over and over again. In chapter 1, we see this rhythm begin. He goes to sit and talk with his father in these critical moments, in these counterintuitive times when you think he should just be firing harder and harder, get things going. He steps back. And what he does here is fantastic. I love how the phrasing goes. He calls to him those he desired, those he wanted, those he longed after, those that he was going to call to be in close proximity to himself. See, I'm a doer, and I often think, man, Jesus, he, he wants to work through me and do grand things. Oh, that's great. Or, or maybe you're, you're struggling with guilt. And you're like, oh, he wants, to, he wants to forgive me for his guilt. But, but let me tell you this morning. Here's what he wants. He desires you. He wants you. He doesn't want to just forgive you. He wants you. He wants to draw you close. He wants intimate relationship with you. He wants to meet you, give you identity and family, and then do a mighty and amazing work through you. But, but first, he just wants you. He doesn't want to just do something through you. You're not a tool to him. You're a person he desires and loves. You're his child he longs for. So he steps back, he sits at the feet of his father, and then he calls to him those he desires. He called them, they came to him, a whole radical shift of life we're going to see in the other two callings that we'll look at in a minute here. He called them, then uh, verse 14, he appointed the 12, whom he then named the apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12. Notice uh, who's doing all the work here. Who's doing the preemptive calling? Who is, who is running towards these disciples as they're fishing, they're tax collecting, they're kind of you know, hemming and hawing, doing things their own way, living often for themselves or, 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 or shackled to their own guilt or their addictions. They're off doing their own things and, and he runs towards, he calls, he names, he appoints, he chases Spurgeon would call him the hound of heaven. I like that phrase. 
the hound of heaven. He comes running after us. He names us. He renames us. He calls us when we weren't even listening. He appointed. This is a cool one. He uses it twice here. Appointed. The, the verb is poiel. It means to make or to do, to, to kind of craft out of clay. He's going to do something, make something. He's appointing them, the 12, the apostles, the sent ones, the commissioned ones. He, he's making us into something and someone, a family together. And his army, his people, are going to walk with him and follow him into their eternal purposes. He's doing a work of grace in their lives and our lives by his grace. And see, what's interesting about this whole thing, it's backwards in the cultural context. Uh, for disciples and rabbis, those who are going to follow a teacher, right? And in first century Judaism, what would occur is you'd first kind of build up your resume uh, through your life. You, you would study what you could of the Torah. You would memorize. You, you would live a certain way. Then you would go to a rabbi. You would say, I want to follow you. And then they would kind of look at uh, your resume and say, do you have what it takes to follow me? Jesus does just the opposite here. He, he, he takes, as we're going to see, the ragtag, the, the guilty, the sinner, the tax collector. He, he runs towards them, us. And he calls, he anoints, he makes us into his people, his family together. He does a work by grace, chasing us down. Uh, probably if you look back at your life, I look back at mine, I say, Oh, man, I never could have orchestrated that person talking to that person who then met my brother. My brother was going, oh, my gosh, off a cliff. And by grace, he was rescued. Then my brother shared with me. And, and, and I never could have put myself in that situation. You look back and you say, man, he chased me down to make me his son, to make me his daughter. What a kind, gracious God. And then, I don't know if you write in your Bibles, I'd say, hey, do it. I write in your Bibles, interact with the Word of God, get to know our Savior, right? And, and you might want to circle or underline this word, so that, here comes the purpose of what Jesus is doing as he calls, makes, appoints, names, renames us, so that they might be with him and he might send them. Now, this is the pattern of the core of following Jesus. And that in following him, we might first be with him. And then that he might send us out along with him. Uh, first, that we might be with him. As you read through the book of Mark, here's what you see. It's simple relationship. This is, this is the difference between Christianity and all other religions, right? That whole backward thing of relationship versus religion. And, and that in religion, you say, I'm going to live up to a relationship with God. I'm going to make myself good enough by keeping these laws or doing this amount of thing. And, and I'll present myself to you and say, see, I did it. Welcome me in. And here, Jesus says, I'm going to run towards you. I'm going to pour grace and mercy and make you my son or daughter so that you can be with me. That's the difference. The relationship with the living God brought about by his work as he welcomes us in by grace. He says, be with me. And we just see normal relationship through the whole book of Mark. They're sitting with him. 
Mark chapter 3, verse 34. It's just, I just picked one of the 18 times this and said they sat with him. <laughs> they're sitting around him. They're just with him all the time. They listen to him. Chapter 4. Talks, he's like, he says, hey, you want to follow me? You got to listen to me. Well, that's what they're doing all day long. They're just, they're following him. They're sitting with him. They're listening to him. They're watching him. They're learning from him. See, what's happening in this moment, it's a lot like, uh, have you been to Zinnia, the new restaurant here in Silver Spring? I love it. It's so good. <laughs> it used to be Mrs. K's Toll House, which was really quaint, great atmosphere, but really not great food. And now it's, it's got quaint, it's wonderful, and it's great food. And you can tell they kind of understand the systems of how to run a good restaurant. So here's what happens. Uh, Courtney and I go in there uh, last week, and, and this gal comes up. She's taking... Uh, notes of everything that kind of we're saying is we uh, are, oh no, actually it wasn't her that was taking notes. She was like this. She was like smiling, listening. And then the, the, the guy next to her was the one taking notes. He was taking notes and she introduced herself. She said, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm, I'm here to serve you. And this is my trainee. Right? He was there learning everything, watching everything she did, uh, just following her along. And he was the one taking notes, kind of scribbling it down, learning how to do this. And it was kind of an apprenticeship. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing. He's saying, come be with me. And this whole Christianity thing is not about learning a list of rules or learning a logic chart of how to deal with people or this or that situation and, and keeping this list of rules to be good enough or do this or that. But it is about knowing the living God, learning his ways, being captured by who he is and what he's done. You see, it's way more about a person than a list. It's falling in love with him and living according to who he is and what he's done in our lives and will do through us. It's a head, hands, heart kind of thing. Changing the way we think, uh, changing our affections in our heart, and, and then changing what we do and don't do by, by watching our Savior. You see, you know, sometimes he'll, he'll go to a Pharisee and he'll be like, boom, and he'll knock on whitewashed tombs, woe to you. And if you're kind of just, oh, list, okay, see, Pharisee, condemn them for legalism. Uh, but then he'll meet this other Pharisee over here and he'll say, come on in. I want you to be a part of the family. You're living in darkness, but I want to give you light. You've got to be born again. It's like kind of controls them and cares for them. Right? So what they're learning is, is how to live like their Savior. It's a lot like Psalm 119, that the, the Jesus here is the living word of God right before them, and they want to learn to walk in his ways. They see him. They fall in love with him. Why? Because they're with him. We've got to be with him first to fall in love with him and learn to live like him. Because in this relationship, our identity is just wholly shaped. We find a place of belonging in relationship with him. It's 12 of them. They're all called together. It's almost as though he's making kind of this, this new Israel and this new family together. Actually, that's just what he's going to call them in chapter 3. It's like, you guys are my family. <laughs> because it's family, if you remember, they're like, he's going crazy. This guy's going crazy. And, and they're like, he thinks he's God. Like, he's God. And, and then this new family, though, is shaping around him, being invited in to be his sons, to be his daughters. It's a place to belong, be shaped by who he is when we're with him. Uh, but his purpose statement doesn't end there. Uh, after he says, come be with me, he then says that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. 
So in a very particular way, uh, they're preaching in a new way the gospel that has just arisen, that Jesus is here on earth. They're saying, the, the Christ, the anointed one, has come. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. What we were all waiting for in those 400 years of silence and, and all the way back thousands of years in the Old Testament, it's happened. They're, they're preaching this gospel kind of in a, a new way at that moment. Jesus is here, the one who is, uh, walks in the power of the Spirit. He's here. And then they're also kind of healing, bringing out demons and bringing out healings repetitiously in this kind of marking of an epic kind of way and he sends them out with his authority and, and then he heals with them and it's amazing it's marking wow this this is the one we waited for is here but in the very same kind of way with these eternal purposes he says i'm giving you the gospel today preach it on sundays <laughs> preach it in your lives uh, build relationships with neighbors co-workers and friends would you preach the god you're being sent out with eternal purposes you're not just you don't just have a new identity a place to belong a place to be refreshed by his grace in relationship with him but then he says and i'm gonna send you because you've got eternal purpose because people are dying around you on the vine dying around you and this will change not just your life but their lives as well maybe you've had that experience in your life when christ came in and, and and addictions from the past, as you, as you fought to follow him and you were reminded over and over of the grace in your life by Christ, you, you saw those things fade away. Or maybe it was a miraculous, boom, change. And he freed you right away. Or maybe there's guilt in your life or shame and, and man, you met him and it radically transformed who you are. This is the life-changing message that we each have in Christ and the life changing an eternal purpose that each of us are given as those who are sent out by Christ. It's how Jesus talks about us, right? In John 17, 18, he says, Father, as he's talking to his Father in heaven, he says, as you sent me, so I'm sending them. Don't be a, a, a people who cloister and live behind walls and lob uh, bombs of judgment in others, but, but that we will be a people who walk with him. And follow him with eternal purpose, the eternal life-changing message of the gospel. This, this is the pattern he sets, right? This is the pattern he sets as he calls us. It reaches the core, the primary aspects of our life. He says, I want you to be with me, find identity, be refreshed by grace, be a son, a daughter, sit with him, enjoy him, know him, be shaped by him. And then he says, and I'm going to send you out. That's what follow me is all about. You're not just going to have uh, purpose and identity. You're not just going to have identity and, and belonging, but you're going to have eternal purpose, being sent ones of God. It's the very core of who we are, our identities and our purpose. That is following him. Well, let's back up a little bit into Levi's story. Uh, Levi is a tax collector. We meet him in chapter 2. It's right before this uh, general calling of all the disciples. He's one of those in that list. And we read chapter 2, verse 13. He, Jesus, remember he's doing the bulk of his ministry in chapters 1 to 8 up in Galilee, his hometown. He's doing all this amazing healing and work. And he went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. And he passed by. He saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus. I love this because you, you, know, you get these details that uh, Levi's a real guy. Who's his dad? Alphaeus. <laughs> it's like, this, this is a historic account right, of a real Jesus who walks among real people, and this is real Levi with a real dad. Near Galilee, that's where they're walking around. And, 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 and Levi, the son of Alphaeus, he's sitting in a tax, collector, uh, in a tax collector's booth full of, might I say, real shame. 
His dad, Alphaeus, is probably really ashamed of him too. Right, because here's what Levi has decided uh, as a tax collector. Uh, a tax collecting would function like this. Uh, a, a Jewish uh, a person would say, hey, I'm, I'm going to kind of leave the family, right? Uh, leave my community, and I'm going to work for the Romans, who was oppressing them at the time. And I'm going to take taxes uh, from you, my Jewish people, and I'm going to give them to the Romans. And the Romans have said, yep, we're going to collect taxes from you, Levi, tax collector. Uh, and, and, and in a sense, you're serving the enemy as a traitor. But then, Levi, here's the way you're going to get paid. Uh, you take a bit of extra money on top, uh, and you keep that for your own salary, right? So uh, the Romans would take a certain amount of taxes from their tax collectors. And then anything on top of that that Levi would collect, he would keep for himself for salary. So he's a traitor and he's a cheat of his own people serving the ones who are oppressing them. And you've got to imagine Alphaeus' own dad and everyone in his community is like, get out. And Jesus walks along and he says, come on in. I want you. you I got goosebumps. Can you imagine that moment for Levi? He's like, whoa. I mean, I like never have heard that. <laughs> you want me? Don't you know what I've done in my past? Don't you know what I did yesterday or this repetitious sin in my life? Don't you know that I've lived, I've lived to ascend. I have crushed people on the way up, including leaving my own family behind. I got an amazing job and all this stuff, but man, there is shrapnel in my past. Don't you know who I am and what I've done and you want me? And you can get the picture in the next part of this historic story. Yeah, Jesus says, I really do want you. Actually, can I come to your house? And can we recline? And I love He's like, and he reclined in the, at the table in his house. I mean, he makes his home with Levi in his home. Jesus is comfortable with sinners. Now, uh, these are short tables in this culture, so you kind of have to lay down. But, but you get this sense that, that Jesus is really comfortable. These uh, tax collectors and sinners, are, they're reclining with him at the table. This is like an intimate moment of, of where Jesus is living out this, come be with me. You who are an outsider, you who don't deserve it, you who are covered in guilt, come on in. I want to give you identity and home and belonging. When everyone else is kicking you out. Notice what the scribes do, verse 16. The scribes of the Pharisees, that's this kind of little sliver of the elite of the elite of the Pharisees. They, they say to his disciples, when they saw he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they say to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Doesn't he know they have no part with us? Doesn't he know that God looks down on those kind of people? Don't you know that if you've got that kind of thing in your life, you can't come in here and be a part of our church? Don't you know that you need to stay out? And Jesus, when he heard it, you can kind of see the little fire in his belly going. He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners. You Pharisees, you think you've earned your way to your God. You think you're healthy and you made it. It's like, but these people, these tax collectors, these sinners, they know they need help, and that's why I'm here, Jesus says. I'm going to invite them in by grace. A place to belong, an identity of being as sons and daughters of the one true God. 
He gives us a new identity as he did for Levi and Matthew. Uh, He calls us new family, right? Being a part of the family. I I love, uh, through all these accounts, you you get these little glimpses. He keeps changing their names. It's so cool. He's like, Peter, Pebble, I'm going to make you stone. Or Simon, Pebble, I'm going to make you stone. Peter, right? Uh, You're in. And and it's kind of this rebirth for these guys. But also you get, like, he's got James and John, uh, the son of Boanges. I can't even pronounce it. It's a terrible sons of thunder right you get the sense that like it's not just he's remaking them and rebirthing them but he actually kind of desires them loves them wants to be with them nicknames them really they're close right he's giving them a new family with himself and with each other by grace i love it renames them their new family he gives them a mark and he gives them a mark to give us which is baptism in Matthew 28, he says, uh, do this. Kind of give them the family name. He says, when somebody comes to believe in me, uh, would you baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Give them the family name. They're part of the family of God. They're part of the family of the church. May, uh, mark them with that name. It's as if I were to go around and say, you're now a Klingler, right? Like you get my last name. And here he's saying, when you dunk them in, you identify them with the Father, the Son, the Spirit. Give them the family name. They're in with us by grace, God says. New family, new names, new mark of identity. In proximity and relationship and embrace, he makes us new. Our identity, it needs to be shaped by being with Jesus. Not doing anything for him, but just being his and being loved means sons and daughters. If you're not finding yourself at the feet of Jesus repetitiously in his scriptures or even just sitting in silence with him, talking to him in prayer, listening to him in scriptures, be reminded on Sundays when you come together not to do anything but to sit and be reminded that you are a son or a daughter by grace by the work he's done for us. Man, we're just missing out on that whole kind of first and primary aspect of being with Jesus, having our identity shaped with him as new family, as sons and daughters with a new name, a new creation. We're his, enjoying being his, getting to know him, being shaped by him. We've got to find ourselves there. We've got to find ourselves there first. And then, though, let's go back to the first calling in the book of Mark. He says, I don't just give you new identity as you find yourself with me, outsiders becoming insiders. He says, I give you eternal and grand purpose. Eternal and grand purpose. Uh, This is the calling of James and John and Simon and Andrew. Chapter 1, verse 16. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea. For they're fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately, they leave their nest, and they followed him. And going on a little further, James and John are there, sons of Zebedee, and they're in the boat mending the nets. And immediately, he called them, and they left their nets, and, and, and they, left their fa- they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with hired servants and followed him. I love this pattern. So Jesus comes up to these two sets of brothers, and, and the first one, he's like, hey, come follow me. And immediately, they leave their nets, and they follow him. There's this kind of massive shift of direction in their lives. They, they were fishermen. Now they're going to follow Jesus. And, and then you got... Uh, uh, James and John and, and, and he calls them and, and then immediately what are they they leave their father 
kind of hits me. I'm like, dang, don't leave me. You know, like Zebedee's like left behind with hired hands. But so we get this picture that they're actually they're doing really well fishing. They've got hired hands. They got this is an industry form now. Not just good relationships with their primary father, right? And, the, and, and all that comes from that, particularly in the first century, of shaping their identity and purpose of their life. But, but they're killing it. They got hired hands. This is industry. They're, they're making tons of money. And Jesus comes along. And he says, come follow me, right? Come be with me and what's going to occur. I will make you fishers of men. I'll open your eyes to the fact that when you go into work on Monday morning, you're not surrounded by a fish. You're surrounded by eternal souls. That there's men or women there. There's neighbors, coworkers, friends, and family members of yours that they don't know the good news of the gospel yet. And they're dying without him. Without purpose, without peace, without that family identity. They're, they're trying to figure out what is life all about. And when you, look, you... You know this because the moment you start asking real questions about life, people start, they want, they're lonely. People are absolutely, when I get around a fire pit with a guy, I just start talking a little bit about, hey, what's the family? Maybe it's even happened in your office. You're just kind of talking with somebody and they're like, yeah, me and my wife are going through this divorce right now. I don't know what to do. And you're like, whoa, right? They're sick of talking about football. Now I talk about soccer. That's my new sport. I'm just watching a lot of soccer these days. But it's all the surface level stuff. People, people are dying and looking for purpose and peace and hope and restore relationships. And politics isn't working. Education's not working. I mean, you look back on the past few years, everyone's foundation is shaking. And Jesus says, here's what I've come to do. I've come to make you a fisher of men. To give you this eternal purpose of bringing the good news of the gospel that saves and brings eternal life to those around you. So you follow me, he says. <laughs> Jesus says, follow me, which begs the question, where the heck's he going? If we're going to follow him, we're going to be with him, then follow him. Where, where does Jesus keep taking intentional steps all through the gospel of Mark? Because if we're supposed to follow him, where's he headed? Man, over and over again, he is walking towards lost people, towards people who don't yet know him. Through people that everyone else is looking past or, 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 or thinks they can't be like, right? He's, he's walking towards the elite of the elite, the Pharisees and the lawyers and the, the highbrow folks. And he's saying, man, you gotta, you gotta cling to grace in me, Jesus. Then he's, he's, he's walking towards prostitutes and the outcasts and the tax collectors. He's saying, you gotta find life in me too. He keeps walking towards lost and dying people who don't yet know him. All the people in our life. We, we don't need to look far here in Maryland for people who don't know Jesus. In your workplaces, your neighborhoods. And when we fall in love with Jesus as we follow him, you know, he makes us a fisher of men as we fall in love with our neighbors, our coworkers, and friends. Because here's what we do. We say, oh, man, I love this Jesus. <laughs> and then we say, oh, man, I love Carlos. I wish... I wish those two met each other because this guy's life is a disaster right now. He's hanging on by a thread. Or this guy, he has it all and he knows he's empty. 
And it's not because I'm amazing that I've got a purpose and peace and life. And all. It's because my Savior has looked at me and said, I want you, you sinner, saved by grace. Oh, man, we want him to know. Don't we want him to know? This happens just on the way of life, just on the path. All through the book of Mark, this theme, he's, Jesus is always on the way. <laughs> he's on the way to Jerusalem. And this, this kind of discipleship thing for us is just going to happen on the way too. Uh, he's on the way to the cross where he's going to bring salvation to us. He's lived this perfect life and now he's going to sacrifice himself on a cross in Jerusalem for our sins. And then he's going to rise to newness of life. And so he's on the way there, but then the, the whole way there as his disciples are with him and being sent by him and following him. They just keep running into so many people who so desperately need him. And I guarantee you those people around you in your life right now. So what I want us to do now, right, as we prepare for communion is simply just to be with him first. To sit with him and pray and talk to him. Maybe you've wandered away from a relationship with him and you just want to confess that and talk to him honestly about it and say, Lord... I want to be with you. I want to enjoy a relationship with you. I want you to reshape that aspect of my life. Maybe you've never clung to him. You never decided to follow Jesus. This is your morning. This is it. This is your morning. Would you, would you cling to him by grace? He's looking right at you saying, come follow me. And you're like, me? Seriously? He's like, yes. So talk to him honestly this morning. And then as you pray and you're reminded, oh, what a great Savior you have as you taste of the bread as a reminder of his body broken for you, the immense love he has for you. As you taste of the cup and the reminder of his blood spilled for you, his immense love and grace for you. As you enjoy who he is and who he's made you to be, would you then begin praying by name for your neighbors, your co-workers, your friends, your family members who know you know him.